Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. G'day. Thanks for being part of the show. Welcome. This is Better Than Yesterday. I'm Ashley Ginsberg, and uh, I'm currently sitting on the corner of, I can't even see the street times, I'm somewhere in Port Melbourne. I'm uh, sitting at the front of the Exchange Hotel in Port Melbourne under the green umbrellas and the minor birds, and I'm here to tell you that uh, this is a podcast called Better Than Yesterday, which is here to help make your day-to-day better than yesterday, something you hear on this show, and indeed every show will do just that. So it does what it says on the box. been here since 2013. I'm here Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, Mondays and Wednesdays with the guests. Fridays, I'm here with you. Uh, I'm a uh, podcaster. I'm a TV show host. I'm a dad. I'm a stepdad i'm a bicycle rider i'm a i'm the kind of person who gets humbled by a pilates reformer doing my leg rehab and i'm currently sitting in melbourne because i was down here today doing a lovely lovely keynote event with the beautiful people at jet charge who make ev charges and put ev charges in people's houses to help create the future of mobility in our country but also to check out a, a live venue to hopefully fingers crossed put a new show at the melbourne international comedy festival the new show, the one I've been talking about, it's coming up. We've pulled the trigger. It's on the way. Tickets are on sale right now. The link is in the show notes. If you look in the show notes right now, you can see where to buy the, buy the tickets. Now, the show, it's a, it's a Pistake on Network TV news, all right? It's called, so the show is called NTNNNN, the Nighttime News Network National Nightly News. Real stories, fake news, live on stage. Because let's be honest, like the news is horrible at the moment. And it's only getting, it's only getting more horrible. It's getting so horrible, if you're like me, you just kind of don't want to engage with it. I don't want to engage with it. But it's a democracy. It's important to know what's going on so you can make informed choices and make informed decisions. So I kind of, I, I, think, I think I've done it. I've, I've created a way that together we could get our news together and at the same time laugh at the preposterous position that we find ourselves in. Because, yeah, I don't know, sometimes... Laughing while the world burns is an appropriate response. Now, it's the actual news of the day, so no two shows will ever be the same. 
And I've managed to assemble a crack team of people out in the field who will bring us the best goddamn news reporting you'll ever see live on stage in a completely made up news show. We've done a couple of workshops and we've done a test show. In the workshops, we laughed so hard we fell over ourselves. When we did the test show, look, I'm stoked because it absolutely killed. And Audrey was the only person in the audience that I knew. So there were people who I had no idea, who I've never met, laughing. And that made me very happy. They weren't pity laughs. Um, so if, if the news is getting you down, if you're scrolling through your phone going, oh my God, am I the only person who thinks this is fucking crazy? Then come be with us and find out that actually you're not alone. I discovered an interesting thing when I did the last round of live shows a couple of years back. When you find yourself laughing at the same time as another person that you've never met, there's a, strength, there's a sense of solidarity, a sense of togetherness that is unable to be accessed any other way. And for me, when it's something particularly grim that you're laughing at, which for me was, you know, brought decades of internalized shame for having quite the dark sense of humor, it just lifts. Because I know that in a room of a couple hundred people, me and two other people will go, we're aligned. That's nice. It's kindred souls. It's a lovely feeling. So, you know, I love that the whole show's dark. It's actually quite broad. I love it. Tickets are on sale right now. There are the links in the show notes. And after, look, after years of not seeing people, after years of not going to gigs, doing gigs, seeing you, I'd love to, love to see you again. I'd love to see you in person. There's four shows at this point. Like I said, no two shows are the same. The shows start on Friday, the 27th of January. And if we go all right, hopefully we'll ride it quite away. Uh, they're at the same venue. They're at the Factory Theatre in Marrickville. We made the tickets super cheap, 20 bucks each, but it's not a huge theatre. So get in quick. But yeah, we wanted to make sure that we made the sh tickets as cheap as we could just so as many people as possible come check it out. When we did the test show, it was a tiny room. I think about 80 people can fit in it and the seats went pretty quickly, very quickly. So please don't miss out. Get on that link in the show notes and get amongst it. It's a factory theatre in Marrickville, which is a cracking spot. Trains and buses are all very close by. It's easy to get to. There's a courtyard there. There's a bunch of actual big rooms in the place. So there's a courtyard. There's a, there's a great bar. There's food trucks there as well, which is kind of cool. We're on early. We're on 7 p.m. So we'll be done by 8 that's usually the moment that the bands start kicking off in the wall, in the room right behind us. So we have to finish at 8 p.m. Otherwise, we'll be drowned out by the music, which is good because it's an early night if you want one. The food there's good. And you're also a short hop to the tasty delights of Newtown and Marrickville, uh, which is just up the, literally just up the street. And of course, like, I'm shit scared because it's a massive risk to do something like this. But I figured out that nobody's actually going to walk down my front path through my wife's garden knock on my front door and offer me the late night satirical news show of my dreams. So I'm just going to have to make this show myself. <laughs> now, I'd imagine that you might listen to this podcast because you feel some alignment with some of the ways that I look at the world. I know that's how I feel with a podcast that I love. They're my podcast friends. They just don't know it. So look, if that's the case, this is the news show for you. The Sydney shows, like I said, they're on sale now. Hopefully, we'll get those Melbourne International Comedy Festival shows on in, in mid-January or so. I saw the room today. It's a great room. Fuck, it's a big room. Got a, hard to fill, but I'm going to do my best. Between now and then, though, my friends, there is Christmas. And look, I know, it's, I know it's a Friday. I don't normally have a guest on a Friday, but we actually do have a guest joining us briefly today, a guest that was supposed to be for a full Monday episode of the chat, but the recording didn't encode properly. So unfortunately, I lost about 60% of the chat, but 
because of what we're talking about, I really wanted to get it out right now. I'm not able to get back on, on, on the mic with him between now and when it's important to get this show out. Um, so I really wanted you to hear just a taste of this. Uh, Dustin Perry is my guest. He's a, a father of three from Euroa in Victoria. He's an absolutely lovely man. He's uh, worked in construction. He's a lovely bloke, does CrossFit, he's a dad. Dustin and his wife, tragically, they lost their daughter, Chloe, to brain cancer in 2017. It's a horrible story. Brain cancer's awful thing. It's, it's one of the most common childhood cancers with about 120 cases diagnosed in kids and adolescents each year in Australia. It, brain cancer is also one of the deadliest childhood cancers. It causes more deaths in children than any other type of cancer. And unfortunately, the survival rate for kids under the age of five is the lowest, about 55%. It's terribly tragic stuff. And the thing with brain cancer, treatment for brain cancer is extraordinarily challenging because surgery poses an incredibly high risk of brain damage. In some cases, surgery is impossible. And radiation therapy can sometimes only temporarily delay the growth of the tumor because many chemotherapy drugs don't actually cross the blood-brain barrier, which is our body's final defense against harmful chemicals entering into the brain. So those drugs can't actually reach the cancer to do their work. Any cancer is awful. I've lost people to cancer. You've lost people to cancer. Pediatric brain cancer? My God. It's awful, awful business. Now, like any parent that would do anything to save their child, Dustin, he wrote the then Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, and asked that more of an effort be made to improve the unacceptably low survival rates of brain cancer. Now, that letter was published in The Australian. Dustin, you might remember, he appeared on the project a few times. And between that letter and that advocacy, he directly catalyzed the, the federal government's $133 million Australian brain cancer mission. Dustin and his wife carry on with their lives. They raise their family. And at the same time, they try to raise money for paediatric cancer. And that's how Dustin and I came to speak with each other because Dustin's written a book about a very famous, very large, bearded man who lives north of Iceland, rumored to provide uh, gifts around the end of December. If you're listening to the, this episode in a car with young people, now is a good time to turn this off. I'll see you next time because we are going to be talking about a big jolly fella and I don't want to give away any spoilers. All right? All right? All right. Okay. Let's carry on. This is my quick chat with Dustin Perry about the large and lovely character whom we associate with this time of year. Dustin, thanks for being on the show, man. You're in, uh, you're in Victoria? Yeah, yeah, you're all up, sort of probably a couple of hours out of Melbourne, up, up, up the Hume. Uh, up the Hume. I'm from Brisbane, so I'm. is it the kind of oh, okay. mountainy bit or is it the kind of flat, cold bit? It's flat and cold-ish. Yeah. It's sort of, if you yeah, the Hume's the freeway that goes from Melbourne to Sydney. All right. Come out of Melbourne, head that direction and stop about six hours before Sydney. All right. Okay. I've been through there. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've definitely been through there when I've driven... I've driven in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's uh, not not a bad little spot, mate. It's it's pretty good to speak to you, and and it's kind of wild what we're going to talk about today. And I'll have done a warning at the start of the show because I remember early on when I was in radio, certainly come kind of mid December, if I would kind of make a joke about, oh, now we've got to make sure mum and dad you get to the shops on time because uh, you know we all know that Santa doesn't buy the presents. <laughs> 
people would call <laughs> up and go, bro, there's fucking kids in the car, man. Fuck. Like people would <laughs> yeah. so upset. And I'm, yeah. I'm kind of wondering, what, why did you want to write a book about this kind of person, this imaginary person that comes along each year in, in, in our culture? Yeah, well, I've sort of been trying to do it for a little while, actually. I've got, I've got a few different versions of it that I've half written and then started again and thought, no, that's not really quite what I'm looking for. But to say it's an imagined story... I mean, any story is an imagined story. You know, the story of Santa, that it may be a well-known thing that it's some, someone made it up, but it, everyone just kind of went along with it, didn't they? So, Mate, there's why plenty of religions where that happened. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> Santa's not tax-free. Yeah, that's exactly it. But the way I've sort of explained it to people you know, early on, publishers and that type of thing, and even a few uh, production companies uh, that I've spoken to about trying to get someone to make it into a movie, is I've sort of said, well, a lot of kids, you, you don't want your kid to be the last one in school that still believes in Santa, do you? You don't want to be, you don't want to be the first one to pull the pin, but you don't want to be the last one that wow. still, what you still believe that crap, do you? know, So, yeah, a lot of kids that are around that same age like the you know, superhero movies and all that sort of thing, and I thought, well, it's, it's a way for kids that don't believe in the old Santa story to still have some kind of connection to that at Christmas time and there's something that's a bit more fun, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, the story behind how Santa came to be in our culture is is pretty wild and there's some, <laughs> some interesting, like the idea, like Christmas trees didn't even show up until I think the Habsburgs showed up in the UK with the, with the German royal family and um, mm. th- that was like the 1840s before the Christmas trees were even a thing. Uh, so kind of yeah. along the way, we kind of go, well, they're doing it. Well, why aren't we doing it? Oh, now we all do it. Okay, how come you don't want to do it? We all do it. And then it just becomes this thing that a community goes along with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think Christmas, the whole Christmas tree idea and the you know, little balls that the decorations are hang off, I think it was originally used to dry out uh, psilocybin mushrooms. But, Apparently. Th- well, there you go. Or hang them on the tree. My mum actually tells stories of growing up when she was a kid in Lithuania, remembering her father light the candles on the on the tree. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. That sounds uh, Dangerous. Risky. Yes, it was. Yeah. Wow, what could go wrong? We're indoors. Uh, we've got this kind of very heavily oil-laden tree that's next to the curtains. Yeah. Sure, it'll be fine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty yes, wild. Yeah, sounds like a great idea. Wow. Well, yeah. Look, yeah, she loved it. Tell me about why, you know, <laughs> you can go any direction uh, with reimagining this story. Why did you choose the direction you went in? Well, it's the sort of thing that I, I like. You know, I read fantasy-type books, adventure, you know, that, that type of genre. I like the you know, Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit, Harry Potter-type stuff, movies as well. And really, yeah, to, to write a book, you, know, you, you see in your imagination the way, the way you're going to describe it. So it's like it's it's like it's a movie before it's a book, really, because yeah. you don't imagine words, do you? You imagine, okay, this is what I think he's going to look like, and then you have to try and describe it. So yeah, that's the type of thing that I, I like watching on you know, TV and reading about and that sort of thing. And it's sort of the way I imagine Santa is almost in the, the Lord of the Rings type guys that you'd see with, you know, the big sword and that sort of thing. And obviously not a not a dwarf. This guy's huge. But uh yeah, it's it just sort of fits the what I like, really. You say you 
you know, things that a lot of people say that uh, if you're writing or doing any kind of um, anything creative to try and satisfy what you like, yeah. then it's more likely to be of a higher quality and hopefully other people will like it as well. It's only once I've become aware of your project that I started, you know, really thinking about this story, this accepted narrative of of Santa, and then you, you know, you think about how much of it is used to explain how all the toys arrive. You know, mm. he's got helpers that work in a factory that that make stuff. You know, like I'm sure before mass manufacturing and this sort of stuff, it wasn't at all. No, Santa's got everyone's making the tickle me elmos up there. They really are, or the yeah. you know the Nintendo yeah. Switch. They're busy, busy little elves. Like that that kind of thing came in parallel with the industrial revolution and stuff like it's like when you start thinking yeah. about how it actually showed up, it's this wild thing. Yeah. But I guess you know any secular belief has to have some kind of, I don't know, mystery about it or, you know, adapt to the situation. Yeah, but if you explain things like that to somebody that, you know, come from another planet or something and didn't know what the story of Santa was, it kind of sounds like um, Santa's North Pole sweatshop kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know, sl slave elves type setup, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Not ideal. No, that's right. But, yeah, that, you know, I've sort of changed the whole idea of the elves as well of you know they're not these they're not even little tiny guys they're basically just look like people but got the little pointy elf ears and they're warriors that fight with santa and rudolph is not a red-nosed reindeer he's a wizard all just little things that i've just kind of changed a little bit at a time and even even the bad guy krampus i didn't come up with him either that's a, an old oh, i'm not sure how old but it's old uh european piece of mythology that he was sort of the nemesis of Santa. It goes back for a long, long time. You've obviously done a heap of research to get to where you get to the point of, okay, now I'm going to write a book that reimagines this. At what point did Santa show up in popular culture? There's a few different uh, contradicting versions of it, but it's, I think it's 1600s or somewhere around there. Yeah. European, but exactly where there's different versions of it. It sounds like there was somebody uh, called St. Nicholas who was sort of a philanthropist-type guy that you know, gave uh, presents out at Christmas time, but it sort of just evolved and it seems like there was two separate actual people have kind of been conflated into one to become Santa. And then, yeah, it depends on where you get your information from, yeah. but... I think a lot of it was sort of grown from there, just yeah. by the by capitalism. Really, the the you know, all the various you know, shops that see the opportunity to make all sorts of uh, you know toys and presents and that sort of thing by making Santa a bit more magical and giving him you know flying reindeer and all this sort of thing, and it's just kind of grown and you know evolved over time. Now, I have to say, like, I'm not a bar humbug kind of guy. I think it's a, a glorious time of year. I always look forward to it as a kid and uh, I, I love it as an adult. I love I love the secular embrace of the of this time of year. You know, I love the time to get yeah. together and be with each other. And, hey, I think you're pretty awesome and I love you in my life and here's a thing that I got to show you. You know, I like that part. I like that part. But yeah. the kind of appropriation and the use of this story to sell more stuff uh, gets me down a bit sometimes. But so, come, yeah. come talk to me about the – I had no idea that Santa had a nemesis. Like tell me about that. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's very similar to the way I've uh, described him in the book, but he's in any version of his, his story, you know, like, like the Santa one, there's a few different versions of it, but he's also all, always sort of a a human-looking body with sort of a goat's head and the big Jesus. horns that sort of curl back. Yeah, there's actually a, there's a horror movie about him uh, from a few years ago. What's like his name again? Recent. Krampus, K-R-A-M-P-U-S. Crikey. And so how how is Krampus, you know, Iron Man needs a, a baddie to, for, to be Iron Man, so Santa needs a baddie to be yeah. Santa. Like how does Krampus cramp Santa's style? Yeah. Well, it, I couldn't actually find any stories of him actually, um, of Santa actually, uh, you know, fighting him or rescuing these kids, but there's lots of old images of him stuffing little kids into a sack, like Santa's sack on his back. Unreal. And walking away with... There's lots of images of that, but I could not find any story in this ancient European mythology of Santa rescuing them, which is basically what I've written. Far out. This is quite, mate, the, the shit that we used to tell kids is just bananas. Mm. You know, every culture's got the yeah. idea that if you wander too far away from the fire, Chupacabra's going to come and eat you, you know, like oh, literally yeah. chew you up. And, whoa, that's the bones of a mm. kid that from the fucking hell, you know. And so the yeah, idea yeah, that there's right, this, yeah. this goat-headed monster that's come and steal children and put them in a sack. I vaguely recall mm. my either my mum or my grandma telling me about something like that, or maybe we had a book that had those terrifying Victorian-era you know, kind of sketch drawings yeah. in it, which just chilled yeah. me to the bone, you know, but they, they told it to me like it was a real thing. Bastards. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the thing where I, I, when I call this the the real story of Santa and people sort of say, no, it's not that. Other one's a real one. I said, this one's no less real than the other story. <laughs> it's just that I came up with it and I'm still here. It's like, a, <laughs> it's like the difference between a religion and a cult. The guy that started a religion's dead. The guy that started a, a cult is still here. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. There's it's a formula. No less true. I think the formula you're, that you might be referring to. There's a similar formula, which is a cult plus time equals religion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't heard that one, but yes, that's yeah. that's very similar. That's pretty much it. Yeah. The, the thing about Santa that I and there's even songs about it. It really goes, uh, you know, against what we know about modern parenting. The idea, like, it's almost like the secular Jesus who, like, he's going to find out if you've been naughty or nice. So you better yeah. be good. Yeah, yeah. Parts of the whole Santa story, you don't think about it because you've heard it all your life. They seem normal until you sometimes, yeah, you say something to a kid and they'll, they'll point out something obvious to you that you hadn't noticed. One, one day, this is a few years ago, I walked into the lounge room at our old house and we had a wood fire there and one of the kids was just just, just bent over just looking into the fireplace. And I, I walked over and said, what are, you, what are you doing, Chloe? And she said, you sure Santa comes down there? And I said, yeah. And she looks at me and looks back at the fireplace and she said, but I thought he was big and fat. Like, that's a pretty small hole. And I said, he, he does. And she said, but how? No, it, Christmas magic. Oh. And then she okay then and then she goes away and she comes back maybe half an hour, an hour later, whatever it was, and she comes up to me and she goes, Have you ever met Santa? And I said, Yeah, you know, we've met the guy at the supermarket or wherever he was and we took a photo. She goes, No, no, I know that's not the real one. I know oh. yeah, he just works for Santa. But she said, No, I mean, have you met the real Santa? And I said, Of course not. And she goes, So you've never met him? 
I said, no. She goes, so why are you letting me in our house? <laughs> <laughs> and these are all really, really valid questions. And as a parent, you're kind of backing away more and more trying to, what am I doing here? I'm in deep. What do I do? Mm. How did you get out yeah. of that? Uh, I'm not sure I did, actually. I, I can't remember how I sort of uh, ended the conversation, but I think it would have been one of those situations where I've managed to change the subject or yeah, something like that. I didn't, I didn't have a, a valid answer for her anyway. Even with the idea of, of writing a book about you know, a, an alternative history of, of Santa, or the corrected lore of a famous philanthropist. So you haven't even used the, the actual, uh, the actual name in there. Even after that, yeah. do you, do you still feel, uh, shall we say the spirit of the season? Yeah, it's, I like Christmas. I mean, I, Christmas movies are my favorite kind of movies. I, you know, I love giving kids the, you know, presents that makes them happy. It makes you feel good, doesn't it? It's, I certainly love, the season, there's no doubt about that. Favorite it Christmas movie? It doesn't change. The Grinch, oh. like the the proper Grinch, the the one with Jim Carrey, not the animated. Die rubbish. Hard, mate. The best Christmas movie. <laughs> that or Lethal Weapon. Yeah, Lethal that's... Weapon. Lethal Weapon is also a pretty good Christmas movie, but I reckon Die Hard. Ho ho ho. You can't go past the Grinch. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, uh, that's it. That's one of those ones that sort of divides the audience sometimes, I think, whether, whether or not it's a Christmas movie. Mate, I'm, I'm takes with you place at Christmas, family reunited, yeah, yeah. there's a miracle yeah. when John McClane makes it off the roof. Yeah, there's no doubt. No Ticks all the boxes, bro. Ticks all the boxes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That was Dustin Perry. The book is called The Corrected Lore of a Famous Philanthropist. I'll put the link in the show notes. Dustin's written that book and selling that book to raise money to uh, go into you know pediatric brain cancer research. It's a very worthy cause and it's a very interesting read. So get around Dustin there. It's a cracker. In the show notes, you'll also be able to find a link to those live shows coming up in January 2023. Get around it. It'd be lovely to see you again. It's a shitload of fun. Make a night of it. Tickets are only 20 bucks. And like I said, it finishes at eight. So you can fizz off home and have a, you can be in bed by nine if you want. It'd be unreal. Big thanks to the team that helped me make the show today. Uh, Bruce Steele on the research, Andy Marr on audio and video post, Toe Hyder who made all the music, Rachel Barrett who helped make absolutely everything happen, and the good people at the Exchange Hotel here in Port Melbourne that have so far not yet minded the fact that I'm taking out one of their tables, not drinking alcohol, uh, and watching the people enjoy their end-of-day pints. Exactly. I'll see you Monday. Look after yourself. Until then, keep breathing. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> 